Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, is your approach to life contagious? Okay, as I think about that, that could kind of be a deep question. Um, because I think the key word there is your approach because you know what you can, I think we are all contagious, but it's like, are we contagiously, um, positive or contagiously negative? Good point. I was going with the positive, like you're taking on the world with your positive attitude. So it does really go back to your attitude and how we choose to contagiously live and what kind of an effect we want to have on people. Well, and like I said, I think we all live contagiously, whether we want to admit it or not, it's just how are we contagiously affecting? And I'm not talking about the flu and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, how we, how we're rubbing off on people, you Mm -hmm. know, in our lives and our actions and even the nonverbal part. Um, I think it's good to be reminded and to be aware, but before we get too far into our show, you are listening to girlfriend at radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, our first guest that we're excited about, her name is NLB Horton, and she returned to writing fiction after an award-winning career in journalism and marketing, as well as earning her Master of Arts degree in Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary. She has consumed gallons, I love this, of afternoon tea while traveling across five continents. She's the mother of two adult children, and she lives lives atop a rocky mountain. Are you just She has jealous? me. She has me. <laughs> With her own oh. of almost 30 years. Her latest book, The Brothers Keepers, refers to Grace Madison's determination to protect someone important to her. So welcome to our show. How are you today? Well, I am atop a rocky mountain, and it is beginning Oh, And uh, <laughs> I'd be better if it weren't snowing, but I'm doing great. Well, it is actually raining here in the desert, so we're pretending like it's kind of snow. It's a rainy day, but it's not that cold. But we'll we'll take it we'll take it over than you know trudging through the snow. But I got to tell you, um, just reading um, about some of the things you you do live life contagiously, and it seems to be quite as an adventure. And I share that with you, um, Patty and I love to travel. We love to travel globally. And I recently was just over in the Middle East, and cool. it is it is intriguing. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever told Patty this but um, Ooh, and she's I'm gonna, gonna yeah she's gonna she's gonna I don't she's gonna probably give me a funny look but um I have like a secret archaeology archaeo whatever you know <laughs> whatever you're going with the dig. I would love to be a part of a dig somewhere you're, you're keeping that you, you like dirt I really and I can't even say it but when you know archaeologist yes I would kind of like to be a part of it and find some artifacts and stuff and you know the dig so anyway we want to just we want to hear more about your adventures in life um, which ones? I mean, life is an adventure, right? Um, 
between parenting and being a wife and mother, uh, being a daughter, um, certainly traveling uh, through the Middle East. Um, I, I don't know if you saw some of the material. I was on the, uh, the Amazon a couple of years ago down uh, in Peru, and uh, our guide dipped his paddle into just literally black waters and fetched a tarantula to put on the skiff right in front of me. Uh, the the lovely little spider had an unhealthy interest in my person. Um, <laughs> it, life is an adventure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, um, we Lisa and I did a, a, a girlfriend's conference in Peru, and mm-hmm. it was interesting because we had – a guide that was taking us through the the Amazon forest. And he mm-hmm. had one of those machetes Machete. that he was just whipping through yep. Yep. the rainforest. Yeah. Just whacking as we walked. And we, you know, when you are so into the United States culture of, Oh, we don't do that to plants. It, it was quite painful <laughs> watching him just whack away these beautiful, just the yeah. slush landscape oh, that was just yeah. like being whacked. And, and then we, um, we got a chance to put on a, an anaconda around our neck, and Patty yes. and I, so we, we share that adventure with you, and and so we let him put it around our neck, and then um, we were both very itchy on our neck, and somebody <laughs> later told us that um, they have you know little insects and little things on them that mm-hmm. you don't want it to really yes. touch your skin. So no, um, no, yeah, no. we remembered and, that yes. memory for a while. Well, the whole the whole issue when you're doing things that are perhaps a little beyond the norm is you do not let your skin touch whatever else it is. For instance, if you're on a camel, I happen to love camels, and the Parched series opens with a book called When Camels Fly, set in Israel and Jordan. But when you sit on a camel and when you're riding a camel and you have your camel blankets, uh, you don't want your parts touching the camel blankets either because of the ticks and the fleas. And uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm a real fan of long sleeves and long trousers and scarves. And uh, you learn to be more careful with this the more you do it. Yes, we learned that too, and we are now fans of the same thing. So, yeah, yeah you know what? You just you experience the other once, and mm-hmm. then you go, "Okay, I think I will cover my skin from now on when I do these adventures." But, yeah, the adventure right. sometimes is not all that it's cracked up to be. In the pictures, it looks like you're having a blast, but no. then you suffer through it at night. <laughs> no, I don't think an anaconda around your neck. I, I don't think the look on your face is "I'm having a blast." I think the look <laughs> is, "Would you please get this big ugly snake off of me?" Yeah, that was kind of the look. It's as if you saw that picture. <laughs> well, the the other funny one was we went to the, you know, I love to go swimming. And I thought, I would love to be able to, you know, say I, I swam through the, you know, whatever, Tikikaka Lake, I think is mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, once again, our guides, I think there was five or six of them. They went out before us and they had these oars and sticks and they were pounding yeah. the water. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought. I wonder what they're doing mm-hmm. there. Finally, we asked one of the guides, what What exactly are they doing? He goes, they're getting the water ready for you, and they're just killing the piranhas. <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden, I didn't feel like swimming. <laughs> no, I would not swim there. I'm, I'm glad that you had that experience, and uh, yeah. that makes one of us <laughs> – <laughs> okay, let's go to let's go to this. Our, our question today, when we opened the show, was: um, Is your approach to life contagious? And you know, we said there's there's a couple of different ways you can take that, mainly negative <laughs> or positive. You are 
have that adventurous spirit, which we just so appreciate and we share with you because we do. We want to squeeze everything we can out of life. But you, when you start talking to people, and have you had this experience where you start telling people things and they just kind of get that glazed look on their face mm-hmm. because it's too overwhelming to them? And I, let's address the comfort zone thing because – so many people, when you talk, and even you know us, we all have our level of comfort and then the discomfort. And so when you cross over to the uncomfortable zone, um, it, it takes another gear you kind of have to shift into life to kind of you know, deal with the fears and the anxiety. How do you deal with that stuff? How do you truly live life as an adventure? Because if you don't, Patty and I just truly believe you're missing out on so much that God really created us to to live an adventurous life with him and it doesn't have to be on the edge of disaster on the edge of you know or traveling around traveling it's just you know if walking across the street and talking to your neighbor is an adventure for you and out of your comfort zone then that's great and do it so how do you approach living a life of adventure and where it's contagious you know you really are that interesting person and you want to squeeze the most out of life I think it's important to understand that there are phases in life. Now, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, and when I was a young mother, these adventures that I'm engaging in now were not feasible for me because my responsibilities to my children, to building my business, to helping my husband build his business, um, to homeschool because I did that for a while, um, you know, my responsibilities were my adventures. You know, it was called surviving, you know, surviving those mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. with some grace. You know, there was there was adventure in that. Now, did I dream of doing more? Absolutely. And and had I done more, it would have come at the cost of not fulfilling some of those responsibilities that I felt like I had to do well or I would have a guilty conscience, conscience at my age. Um, so I think that at every phase in life, there's a different definition of comfort zone and adventures. And I think that you grow into some of this. Um, when my uh, kids were in high school and college, there's almost four years between the two of them, uh, we were able to broaden this to a large degree. We had one in high school, one in college, and I was doing my graduate work at Dallas Theological. And um, we are a studious family. The kids are hyper-responsible, and, you know, thank you for that, Lord. But um, our first, I think, real adventure was uh, an archaeological survey in Israel and Jordan, and we, we took the kids. Uh, this was part of my graduate degree, so, you know, I was working like a maniac, and they were just really enjoying the experience. Um, but I think as you get to a certain point in life, you can broaden your definitions. And so one of the things I'm always careful about when I talk to readers is to make sure that they understand that I don't think everyone can do this. I don't think everyone is at a point in their lives where doing the Amazon is appropriate or going to Israel and Jordan is appropriate. Um, these are These are precious things that I've been able to do, but I've only been able to do them in about the last decade. Mhm. Mhm. As far as fear, uh, you know, fear teaches us about faith. I think that they're they can be opposite sides of the same coin. And certainly, you want to use good judgment. You know, there are places I was supposed to be back in the Middle East in March, and uh, I was in uh, Turkey in October. And given the instability right now, 
in so many countries in that region, uh, I'm not going in March. I'm, I'm going to wait. Mm. But, you know, you have to use good judgment. You have to figure out where you are in life. You have to figure out, you know, can these people live without me if something dreadful happens? <laughs> you know, and, and then you go. Mm. Well, you, you know, we're going to have to take a quick break here in just a minute. And uh, we want to keep talking. We want to talk about your new book um, that's out. And that and the adventure, that you, you, just listening to you, it, it is contagious because it makes you want to just, uh, you know, in the proper season and the proper, you know, timing to truly step out and, and to embrace life and to see what God maybe has in store for you. So we're with that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our guests. So don't go too far. Right now. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do. In love, life, and business, she is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are talking with NLB Horton, and she has been writing fiction after an award-winning career in journalism and marketing, as well as earning her Master's of Arts degree in Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary. We were just talking off the air um, during the commercial break about your new book, The Brother's Keeper, and you were just 
saying, uh, I, I love what you you were sharing about they don't know what to do with you. So will the you t- tell us a little bit more about what you're dealing with the publishers? I think you have eight top publishing companies that, oh. <laughs> that have you. Well, publishing, you know, is going through an amazing evolution right now, um, and it wasn't eight. There, we used to have the big six publishers, so all of the names that you would think of, and then, you know, we're undergoing consolidation and stuff like that. And uh, a couple of falls ago, I had just signed with um, – actually, it was right before I signed with my literary agent. I had gone to a conference, and uh, and I, I wonder if I should say the name out loud, but um, <laughs> three days after the conference uh, – an acquisitions editor at Simon & Schuster requested my entire manuscript and wanted to know who my agent was. And um, I was blown out of my office chair and said, you know, um, I'll be happy to send you the manuscript and give me 48 hours and I'll tell you who my agent is <laughs> because I didn't have one. But when you send uh, – I have a good friend who's a multi-published author and a Christie Award winner. Her name is Diane Mills, and she's mentor, friend, advisor. She's amazing. So I called Diane and asked her to recommend agents. And when you send a literary agent an email that says – Simon and Schuster is asking who my agent is. They open your email because it never happens. And uh, and so we rode. I, I signed with a wonderful literary agent, and we rode the big five publishers' requests, multiple requests in some instances, from uh, ABA Commercial Fiction, and then some of the CBA houses. And we finally set a deadline because no one seemed to know what to do with a middle-aged archaeologist with a Christian worldview, you know, Mm -hmm. working globally, Mm -hmm. nobody knew what to do with her. So we finally decided that at the end of 2013, if no one came across with the publishing contract, because my background in marketing and advertising is very strong, I said, you know, I can do this. Uh, We decided we would self-publish. Of course, like, I think it was two weeks after we really started the self-publishing process, uh, one of the big five publishers who had requested multiple copies called back, and someone else wanted to see it. I thought, great. So uh, my literary agent paddled the canoe toward the the big publishers, and I said, I'm just going to keep going with self-publishing because as much as I've been on the fringes of my faith all my life, my work is there. You know, it's not Amish. There's not a buckboard in it. Nobody's wearing a bonnet. And all those are wonderful elements in a story, but they're not the elements that I write. Mm -hmm. And so the work is just very unconventional. It's received a lot of attention but nobody knows what to do with a middle-aged female archaeologist with a Christian worldview. And in the first manuscript, When Camels Fly, uh, in the second chapter, she shoots a man who's abducted her daughter. Mm. So it's, it's not, it's not um, a warm, fuzzy read, although readers tell me that they love Grace, my archaeologist, and they love the interaction of the family. The family has each other's backs. They're all living life to their greatest potential. They're interesting, geeky, bizarre people, um, but they're a functioning family, and, and they really show the impact intelligent, educated, uh, empowered Christians have on the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you, because you're talking about referring, this is your second book in the Parched mm-hmm. series. Um, how did you come up with the name Parched, and what is, is there something significant about the Parched series? Yes, um, I married a man who grew up on a big ranch. We are people who, even though I come from a big city, uh, I am literally on top of a mountain here in Colorado now, and we owned a ranch for a while, and we, um, we are aware of the land. 
And water across the globe is an enormous issue. We don't realize fully just how little water we have accessible, clean, affordable, potable water compared to uh, population growth across the globe. Um, our ranch was here in Colorado, and we had one year at the end of a seven-year drought where people down valley from us turned on faucets and got air. They had no water in their systems. And people think, oh, that doesn't happen in the United States. Well, it does, and it will. And so when I started writing, uh, water is a key element in my stories, or lack thereof. And uh, it, it also works in with my faith. I think that we are called to be co-stewards of the earth, uh, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And so we need to be mindful of our natural resources. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of being parched, um, first of all, we're from Arizona, so we definitely oh, yeah. know what it's like to um, have some droughts and, and be careful with our, our water. I'm going to mm-hmm. switch gears and being parched also in being in love. Is it you, you talk a little bit about, about this in your book? And mm-hmm. so just a question to throw out to you. How hard do you think it is to try to fall in love again when things become difficult in life? <laughs> I have been waiting for someone to ask me that question and you just won the contest. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I think you know and, and you thought you were being brave to put an anaconda around your neck. Um I think it's darn near impossible. I, I really do. And and I say that as a woman of faith. Um I think that every possible card in society is stacked against a long-term marriage uh, between the immediate grat- gratification uh, the sexualization of our society. Um, I think that, and, and my literary agent is probably going to kill me for this, but I think that as mothers, we have not always done the best job of teaching our sons and daughters um, appropriate uh, positioning in terms of morality and dress, and 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 we've really muddied our waters a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, fathers obviously should have been involved in that, but the reality is it's usually mom that's on the floor dealing with the kids. Um, so I think that I think that society is is against it. Um, I think that it's a very difficult thing to do. I think that it requires absolutely effort and commitment on both parties. Um, and I think that oftentimes that's where the imbalance occurs because one person has emotionally or mentally or spiritually already left the marriage. And so to try to find whatever that was that caused you to believe you could make this commitment at the very beginning, uh, very, very, very difficult. Well, I mean, I mean, that's kind of gloomy, but that's really what I think. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 it's a good discussion to have because it's one of those things we always like to talk about things that people think about, but don't actually talk about. So Mm -hmm. it's a good conversation because, you know, so many people, uh, they wrestle with that. They think about that, but they don't know how to verbalize it or where is, where is it safe to verbalize it? Mm -hmm. So Patty and I think like on the radio in front of, you know, an anonymous audience is a very safe place to start (laughs) addressing, but it's so good to get the the conversations going. And that's what we like to do is, is like, you know, and let people go, Hmm, I need to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. Or what do I think about that? Um, for my own life. Well, and it goes back to, um, you know, commitment versus covenant. And, and, you know, you talked about loyalty and, you know, instant gratification, our society, our culture really does work against, um, Mm -hmm. you know, really the, you know, true covenant 
commitment. Explain those terms and how you see those in relationship. Oh, well, you know, covenant, you go straight back to the Old Testament. Leviticus, there, there's some great verses in Leviticus about covenant. And essentially covenant is when two parties agree to terms and they seal disagreement with an act. A commitment can be very one-sided. Um, people don't realize the distinction, and, and it's kind of a geeky thing to get into. But when we marry, it's, it's a covenant. It's both parties coming to the table making the same agreement. Um, one of the things about the Parch series is that it's all about doing the right thing. And what I think where we get tripped up on the covenant versus commitment and a marriage as it ages and matures is that you, at, at points in this journey, you have to choose between right things. For instance, when your children are small, you have to minister to them. You have to take care of them. You, you know, they can be very all-consuming. Well, that comes at the expense oftentimes of a spouse. And so – there are so many fine lines. Uh, there are so many judgment calls. And, and at some point, if you get through those child-rearing years with the marriage intact, you have to kind of turn around again and say, okay, I remember seeing you at the front of a church one day a long time ago, and I was wearing a white dress, and we need to try to figure out how to get back to that point because we made a covenant in front of our family and in front of God till death do us part. And then you have to deal with all the clutter and garbage that occurred between point A and point B. Yeah. Well, the, all that garbage is so <laughs> – that's the part that is so complicated to, to mm-hmm. file out. And we just have a, a couple minutes left before we go into a commercial break. And what would you say to the listeners – on just some some tips on that, on on even just the struggles of of marriage and having your independence and yet maintaining a sense of of self, um, you know, without living completely separate lives. Just some tips on, and, and I know you have it in your book as well, but just to share with our listeners. Well, I don't I don't think I've done this very well. Um, <laughs> I don't really. I I think that. I think that you have to constantly, I constantly remind myself, let me pull it, let me pull it back in in that direction. I constantly remind myself that I was created in the image of God and that if God can forgive me for all of my failings, then I need to be able to forgive my my spouse when he fails me. I need to be able to forgive myself when I fail him. Um, And I need to understand that God is, is eternally faithful to me. So I must remain in my heart and in my mind and in my actions eternally faithful to actively. And it's a proactive choice. It's not it's not passive. It's not easy. It's not relaxed. relaxed. I have to be proactively faithful in, in loving my husband because of God's faithfulness in loving me. Well, NLB, we have to quit here. And this has been a great conversation and just talking even below the surface on some issues that I think we all wrestle with, um, whether internally or with other people. So thank you just for being obedient and writing your book. And we just want to, again, just um, encourage others to get the, to get your book, The Brother's Keeper. Thanks for joining our show. And you can also get more information about NLB on our website at girlfriendit.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. This is God in Country. The collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right. Well, welcome back. And we are talking today about your approach to life. Is it contagious? And I have to tell you on commercial break, we got the giggles. And um, uh, uh, with the giggles, all of a sudden, then you get the sweats. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm removing scarves and like <laughs> and sweating. Stop right there. <laughs> I know, but joining I, and I must say you're looking mighty fine on radio day with the scarf. <laughs> Why, thank you. Joining us now, our next guest is Carla McDougall, and she is an award-winning author and speaker. Carla founded Reflective Life Ministries back in 2008, and she truly believes laughter is medicine from the Lord that breaks down walls and removes the mask and in our life. And we wholeheartedly agree. And our masks have definitely been removed this morning. But as a result, God has taken her around the world to encourage others to live every day for him. Her latest book, My Prayer Chair, won multiple awards in 2013 and is now available in Spanish. Carla and her husband, Fred, live in Houston, Texas, which we cannot wait to hear your accent, Carla. And I promise we won't say, bless your soul. <laughs> bless your heart. Oh, it's bless your heart. That's right. That's right. Because um, our, our sound engineer is also there in Texas, and um, we say that to her often and apparently it's not it's not a good thing I don't know tell us Carla is it a good thing oh I think it is a wonderful thing and I'm going to start out with bless your heart how about that (laughs) 
your heart, Carla. Oh, well, we are so excited to have you, and you have a lot going on in your life right now, and so we're going to assume that your approach to life is highly contagious. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be with you um, this morning, uh, at least here in Houston, it's this morning. And uh, I, I must say this before I begin, since you love laughter as well, and I can already hear that. As I was preparing for this interview just a few minutes ago, maybe 30 minutes ago, getting, I'm, I'm in my prayer chair right now. I've got my Bible, my books, you know, just kind of everything sitting there. And I had popped into my bathroom and I thought, oh, I need to put my lipstick on and because I've got my interview like it's a live TV interview, you know, so I just want you to know I've got my lipstick on this morning. Well, and good for you because it is radio day and some days you just have to dress up for radio, you know, <laughs> and so we, we always laugh about that, but we both have our scarves on and kind of decked out and we're like, okay, but we're doing radio. But I know, I know, we, I started laughing. Get, yeah, we get the <laughs> lipstick thing. You're so good. <laughs> I am so glad we are women that have got it figured out, you know. I mean, you have to look good even for radio, right? So I'm, I'm thinking that's it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Carla, let's go. You talk about your, the, your prayer chair, and you were just in your prayer chair. Have you created – I'm all about – I love ambiance, Patty jokes with me because we talked about my feng shui. Like I walk into a restaurant or I walk into a place, and it's the feeling, the ambiance there. So do you have a physical – like prayer, a little corner that you have created because I have created a little little nook or little place mm -hmm. at home that it's just like my little corner, my little place, where it's like my my happy place. <laughs> so, do you have that that such a place? And then, can you tell us about your book and how it how the thought and the thinking behind it, how it how it became a book? Yes, I um, I at, yes, I have a place that. Throughout the day, um, you know, it begins early, 5.30 in the morning. Um, you get my coffee, and I sit down, and I begin, you know, my prayer time. And had just found through the years that it is this place of comfort um, that provides such an, an intimate conversation with the Lord. And how it all really, my prayer chair, the book originated began years back from my grandmother and she had a prayer chair. I did not understand the significance of its name until years later. I mean, she, you know, I remember even two years old, two and a half, she would be rocking me in her, what she called her prayer chair. And she would be whistling the hymn in the garden. And Years, you know, through the years as, you know, I grew older, you know, high school and college and then marriage, visits to grandmama's house lessened because we didn't live in the same town. So our conversations, you know, they were more frequently through, the, through our phone conversations. And I'll never forget one time I was rocking my firstborn and my, my uh, this thought, oh, it reminded me of grandmama. So I, I called her up, grandmama, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm just in my prayer chair. And in that moment, it was like a light illuminating its surroundings. I had this understanding of 
what she meant by her prayer chair, because I had been, you know, I had found myself praying for my son and, uh, you know, in this, in that very place of, um, of, of comfort as well. And I th- the thought hit me, how many prayers has she rocked to heaven on behalf of not just me, but her family and all those around her. Mm-hmm. And it was like passing the torch to the next generation, the torch of prayer, you know, fueled, um, and it, it resonated so deeply within my soul. And I remember saying, God, I want that. T- I could start crying right now. Every time I talk about it, there's just a lump that forms in my throat. But I just said, Lord, I want that in my own life. I want that same, um, that same heart that same ongoing, living, walking, breathing relationship that's not about, you know, just attending church or religious mm-hmm. practices. It's about this intimate relationship with Jesus that she displayed uh, daily. So there you go. That's the heart, and that's, that's, that's actually a summary of the first entry. So <laughs> <laughs> that is such a poignant thought, and... You know, if if we really, truly just let that sink in of the legacy of prayer, and I know when um, both my husband and my my mom passed away, we have said this quite often, just the prayer warriors that uh, we really have to make it up because they were such prayer warriors. And um, sometimes you don't realize it, like you said, until you're there all of a sudden rocking your child and you realize the significance of that gift of prayer. Um, I know for, for me, my, my mom, um, was, had a place in her room to pray. And I do find it that it is significant to have mm-hmm. that place that you go to the Lord in, in either, you know, your quiet time, or I think it helps even with your spiritual discipline. But I also think it's important to, um, to not, have it in a box. Cause I remember yeah. because my mom, um, that legacy of, I remember her, you know, being in that area of her quiet time, but she also, when she was on her walks, I yeah. know that she just, you know, just flooded those prayers. And, um, my husband and I, now we go on these prayer hikes and, uh, just to be able to find, it might not be a place, but yeah. it's, it could be an activity, but that activity then, brings on that, that time of prayer. Well, and and we're talking about, you know, the, the place of a prayer chair, but there's also, you have to create the space for prayer. And, you know, cause we live such busy, crazy lives that it's easy to, to kind of rush through the day to get up and, and, and you, but you got to create that space that allows to be still in your soul. And that, that takes a discipline. And like you said, Patty, not putting it in a box, like I have to get up every day and it has to be at this certain time for this length of time. Cause I know for me that over, that overwhelms me and it's hard for me to keep that. That's not sustainable for me. So it's like, but I have to create space every day Mm -hmm. for that and knowing what my, what my day looks like ahead of time. So even, Mm -hmm. you know, the night before looking at it and going, where is that space and being aware of that. So both those space and place. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you know, that's such good points because honestly, the, the heart of this book um, is it encourages the reader to engage in ongoing conversations with God seven days a week, um, 24 hours a day. How do we get to that point that everywhere we go is 
we just have this ongoing conversation, whether that is there's an entry in here called my prayer closet and it's talking about driving in your car. And then there's another one that talks about your daily chores and um, making peanut. How many thousands of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I made through the years for my children? I have four children and uh, they're now now grown. But how God taught me to pray over those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. As I was making them, there was a point I was just kind of griping, like, oh, I've got to get up again and make more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I had three, I had three teenage boys in, in uh, high school and, you know, they don't just eat one. So I'm making three per <laughs> child plus my daughter. And this, this I, I kind of had this attitude going mm-hmm. like, you know, those thoughts that start appearing. And all of a sudden, I experienced just this thought, and I believe it was from the Holy Spirit, began praying over those peanut butter sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And so as I began doing that, I would I began saying, Lord, just as I'm spreading this peanut butter on this these pieces of bread, I ask that you spread your word upon their heart today. And then as I got to the jelly, I would pray, Lord, I pray that that just as the, as the jelly sweetens <clears throat> their, uh, that the, the sandwich, that your Holy Spirit will sweeten um, their desire to serve you with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. Just as these two pieces of bread cover the peanut butter and the jelly, I pray that you would provide your protection, your covering upon them. And then as they eat it, that they taste it physically, but God, that you will you will bring nutrition, spiritual nutrition to their lives. It totally changed the way that I began doing my household chores. Um, so uh, it, it's so fun, and, and it is such a privilege to have the opportunity to participate in eternity here on earth through prayer. Well, you know, just listening to what you're talking about, it's like even in the ordinary routines of life and ordinary things like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just making that experience significant. And like you said, turning it into like a prayer time instead of like, I have to go off here. I can just do it while, you know, just being in an attitude of prayer, just being in an attitude of prayer as you go throughout your day. And then just awareness of of God. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And Carla, when we come back, we're going to keep talking. I want to talk about you know, journaling. Do you journal your prayers? What that looks like? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
This is the TogiNet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are talking with award-winning author and speaker, Carla McDougall. And Carla was just sharing just about her prayer chair. And also, that is the name of her latest book, which won multiple awards in 2013. Um, but, but Carla, just talking about prayer and just how incredibly significant, um, like you said, creating that, that space, that time, being able to, to you know 24-7 have that. And that also adds to your approach to life and makes it highly contagious. Now, do you use a journal as you pray? Do you go back and, and read through your journal? And and I ask this because this is something that um, Lisa and I both strive to. I think between the two of us, um, we probably have a couple shelves full of journals. Mm-hmm. Each of them has the year on them and everything. And <laughs> it's finding the... Um, as extroverts, we're both highly extroverts. I think it's really hard for that temperament to take the time to put it in writing. And yet I know how significant that, that is to journal this. But is this something that you do? You know what? I'm an ex- extrovert just like you. <laughs> and so journaling, my, I have found more of my journaling has come in the form of writing um, the, my blogs, and in the form of writing my books, um, it was really neat the other day, my daughter, and I'd never thought about this before, but I've, I've written two books. The third book is almost uh, to be released. And um, my, my daughter came to me and she said, Mom, I've never thanked you for this, but I've, I've got to thank you. And she said, now, I don't want you to take this wrong, but whenever you pass on, and you're not here anymore, I want to thank you for writing your books because I have your heart in these books. And I just wanted to take time to thank you for that. And I'd never thought from that perspective before um, that, wow, you know, what what a a legacy to leave um, to the generations that follow. So I do believe journaling or writing it, it 
put your heart down on paper, your heart for the Lord and what God is doing. In fact, even in my prayer chair book, uh, one of the things that quite a few people have really commented on is the fact that after each entry, which the entries are, there's, there's small entries, maybe a page and a half or two, but there's a, a part that says, um, my, my, uh, prayer journal, my prayer chair journal page. And so it gives you time to really absorb and, and reflect on what it is that, that God is doing. So I do believe writing down really makes a difference. You know, and it's, it's interesting and really cool that your daughter pointed that out. And that's a great tip even for our listeners to, if you're not a massive journal, you know, journalist, then to just try to put some thoughts on paper, like you said, even to blog. But I know, um, both Lisa and I, we lost our moms and we talk about that. You crave looking for something they wrote down. It might even be a recipe, but you love to look at their handwriting and just to know their thoughts is all of a sudden it's so powerful to go, what was my mom thinking Mm. and what, what was she struggling with? I know I, um, my dad gave me her Bible and I thought that was, it was such a, a neat gift to get from my father, but to even look at what she was scribbling in the sidelines of her Bible Mm. and what was significant to her during her quiet time is so powerful. Yes. I, I love the verse in Deuteronomy 4 that says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Mm. And that verse is so powerful for, you know, the things that God has done in our lives. We need to share that with, with the, you know, our children and grandchildren that, that can be through, you know, a word verbally, but many times it can be through writing it out mm-hmm. um, so that when they, we aren't here, that, um, you know, continues to be passed down to affect the next generation. So I, um, I totally agree with you on all of that. Well, Carla, Patty and I are, are big advocates of having like a prayer team. And I know when we, we started our ministry, we, mm-hmm. we intentionally had a group of women really praying for us and, and covering the ministry. And we, we just, it, it was such a comfort to know that when we were making decisions or when we were traveling or doing things that there was this prayer team covering us that we were not, you know, doing it on our own strength, but truly, um, you know, things were bathed in prayer. Do you, do you, and we're big advocates when people are, you know, it's like, okay, who's praying for you? Do you have a team of people that, that pray for you? Um, how do you see that? I, I think that's a, a thing is even rallying women together, just, you know, even just one-on-one praying for each other and getting to that. But when you, when you yeah. mention prayer to, to, to women, especially women, even women in that maybe have been in the church for a while, it's a very intimidating uh, topic because people, I, I don't pray or I, you know, I don't really know how. And, and, and it's, it, it really is a tension. Um, point of contention sometimes, and it, it shouldn't be because like yeah. you're saying, just like living life, just as an expression of prayer, uh, as you go through your day, how would you, and, and do you find that when, when you're talking with women and do you have women and how can we encourage each other to maybe step out of that comfort zone to, to pray together? Oh, what a, thank you for, uh, for asking that question. Um, when I go and I teach any type of leadership conferences, um, for women's ministry or things 
uh, of that nature. The, or if someone says to me, I'm thinking about beginning a ministry, the very first thing that I look at them and say is, have you asked God to rise up a prayer team over you and over this ministry? Not by going and picking your best friends or your mom or your, but letting God show you who he places on that person's heart or those, you know, hearts um, to, to rise them up as, as a prayer team. God did that back when we started. And it was so, it was so amazing. There were five women on this team that, and I didn't know them that well, but it was the ones that he placed on their heart. And at the time they were, um, about 63 to 86 years old and three have gone on to be with the Lord, but I, their prayers are the, even the ones that are not here, you know, physically on this earth, their prayers are still coming to fruition. I still hear their prayers coming to fruition and God has grown our prayer team to where we are about, I think now we have about 29 and they're nationwide. Um, and, and it's, it's not that we go and pick someone out. It is truly God putting it on our hearts. And, and one of the ladies who is on our team heads up our prayer team and it is, it's phenomenal. It is, and it really is showing what the body of Christ is to do together. It's not about one person going out. It is about God bringing different gifts and talents and those intercessors together to accomplish the purposes that he has planned. So, uh, yeah, a prayer team, I, I usually don't go anywhere without, you know, as far as ministry wise, without taking it to that prayer team first and saying, please, you know, pray over this with me. Um, and, and it's just, it's such a gift. Well, it's so true. And, you know, so many for us, especially that I think that live um, in the Western world, we don't rely on prayer for like even our survival. And you're seeing, you know, what's happening in the world now and people literally, um, if it wasn't for God intervening, you know, they might not be alive. And I know, I know a couple of years ago when, um, when we were in Kenya doing a women's conference and we were talking with some women who were living in a very, um, kind of hostile environments. They were refugees mm-hmm. and, um, they were, you know, kind of living their faith amidst other faiths. And we were just saying, how do you, how do you survive? How do you each day? And I just remember this one lady just very seriously looked at me and she goes, we pray. Mm. And it's one of those, yeah, 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 we know that, but how do you survive? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She goes, we, we pray. And, Mm. and it was so humbling because you, you know, that literally their existence depends on God showing up Mm. and on prayer. And we don't put ourselves talking about living adventurously and stepping out of comfort zones. We don't put ourselves in a position of faith where we need God to show up. And if he doesn't, we we're not going to survive, you know, whether it's a situation or life. And so we get very comfortable in our faith where prayer is more of, um, you know, an afterthought, not an exclamation mark. And, and so, you know, it's very different. I think that's, what's intriguing when you start reading about the, you know, there are parts of the world where if it wasn't for prayer, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be, be here. So I think it's very humbling to us to realize 
just the significance of prayer and that we, you know, it really is something to take seriously. Well, Carla, we only just have a couple minutes and then we, we're going to end the show. And uh, we want to just thank you again for joining our show and just for, you know, talking about this and even writing about thank you. prayer and, you know, creating that place of prayer in your life. So in the, in the, just a couple, really less than two minutes we have, how can people find you? And is there anything else you just want to say as we close out our show? I would love just to finalize this by saying thank you to both of you for the opportunity to be here with you on and share my heart. Um, When I realized that, that, that phrase that life is not about me, it's all about him. It changed my perspective on prayer. Mm. It changed my understanding that, you know, we are these vessels that, God has allowed to be able to be, you know, living here on this earth to be his hands and feet. And the more we communicate with him, the more that um, we are in just in tune with the direction he has for our lives to affect, not for us, but for him. And so that, that is just a privilege. And so I thank you for this opportunity. People can find us on um, Facebook through Reflective Life Ministries. You can um, order my prayer chair through a variety of different ways. Uh, our website is reflectivelifeministries.org. I think you can probably Google Carla McDougall and, and find that as well. Uh, we love to communicate with, with different ones. Um, I'm going to be in the Virginia area this week at the end of the week. Well, the end of the week's here, so by tomorrow I'm leaving. And then I'm going to be in Atlanta uh, the week after that for some Christmas Christmas events I'll be speaking at. So would love if anybody is in those areas to come visit. Okay. Thank you, Carla, for joining our show. Thank you for joining our show. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.